As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city All right, welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo coming to you from Minnesota. We are doing a live room. Holy moly, we already have 625 people in here. I was just telling people uh, before we came on the air that I have some Wi-Fi issues, so hopefully uh, this doesn't crash and uh, we get going. As everybody knows, uh, uh, the offseason is off to an interesting start. Uh, Obviously, um, the Wild got eight players in the draft, a couple first-round picks, and Ogren and Yurov. Uh, Ogren's here this week at development camp. There's a three-on-three tournament tonight. Team Rossi versus Team Beckman. Team Beckman won the big volleyball game. Rossi will try to win the big hockey game tonight, and that'll be fun. It's at 6 p.m. Hopefully you have tickets because the uh, game at Tria is actually sold out. Um, <clears throat> after that, uh, you know, the first round the other day, um, we go around the quarter, and a um, another reporter, a colleague of mine at the Athletic, alerted me to the fact that Je- uh, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos, George Bezos, um, the agent for Cam Talbot, was uh, in a little bit of a um, heated, looked animated, a little heated uh, chat with Bill Guerin. I kind of looked over there, and it was definitely going on. And that that let me know right after the Mark Andre Fleury resigning that clearly there was an issue here. And that's why uh, it became a big topic uh, that night at draft and um, the next day as well. um, When during the third round, Bill Guerin met with George Bezos. And while there was never an actual trade demand, um, I think that both sides finally realized that, that maybe this is the way that it needed to go, that there needed to be a separation of, um, of, of ways here. And obviously um, you know, even as of Sunday, though, two days before the trade, I was talking to team sources and um, there was no doubt that uh, Bill Guerin was not inclined to trade him. But something changed in the 48 hours before the trade. 
and they decided to make that move. And the move is actually something that I thought should have happened. Um, you know, um, I, what I thought they should have done was traded flurry for futures, excuse me, Talbot for futures and, uh, then sign like somebody like, like Charlie Lindgren, but he basically did the same thing as long as Gustafson is a quality goalie and he freed up a ton of cap space, about 2.67 million in cap space. And we'll see what he does with that this week. Um, you know, some of it's going to go to Addison. Maybe if he makes the team, some of it's going to go to Rossi and, uh, we'll see. Um, now if he signs one of these free agents, there's a lot of pretty quality free agents out there that maybe can get a bargain, uh, for, and, um, but the other thing that I just get the impression is that maybe he's in some trade talks here and he didn't want to, um, just go sign a free agent that he was lukewarm on if it can potentially hurt his ability to add player, a player in a trade. And so we'll see, I mean, is he going to, you know, that's the one thing I, I just, my radar is up on, on Bill Guerin right now, because even though he constantly tells us how much he wants to keep Matt Dumba and all this stuff, um, in the last little while, I'm getting the impression from a lot of league sources that he has sort of quietly shopped Matt Dumba to just gauge if there's any interest. And from what I've been told is there has not been a lot of interest. But if suddenly that was something that he could do, would he maybe move on from Matt Dumba and create a lot of cap space now? We'll see. In the next little while, let's go to the uh, live room. Let's see if this works. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we're going to try it. All right. I'm going to go through the chat function and hopefully uh, sometimes there's a lag with the uh, with the stage and hopefully Garrett will just suddenly pop in here. Um, so Matthew asked, so the Wild are getting Phil Kessel, right? He's kidding. Um, yeah, I was just uh, talking with Pat Micheletti on, uh, on Twitter and he was sort of pumping the tires at Phil Kessel and Everything I, I get the impression is that the Wild are not interested in bringing Phil Kessel. I know that a lot of times people look at Phil Kessel as somebody that can help the power play, but he had two power play goals in 82 games last year. I just don't get the impression that they're interested in bringing him in. So, um, it, but there's other guys out there. Like, you know, like if he was going to free up some more space, could a Dylan Strome fall in their hands? I will say this in the past. I have not gotten the impression that the Wild have had a lot of time for Dylan Strom. And, and obviously the, the Blackhawks didn't either, and they bought him out, or excuse me, didn't qualify him. Um, so I don't know if, if that makes sense. You know, the guys that actually make sense to me are the bottom six guys out there, like Zach Aspen-Reese, um, you know, big hitter, great penalty killer. Um, that is somebody that makes some sense to me. If you're going to take a flyer on a young kid, would you go after a Sam Steele? Ryan Carpenter is out there as well. Um so, uh, you know, uh, those are some guys and, uh, uh, there's just no doubt that this, uh, nobody is coming on. There we go. All right. Now we got some people on stage. So here's what we're going to do. Garrett, you're first, Sam, if you can mute your phone right now, you're both on stage right now. So Garrett, um, you are first. What's up, bud? Mike, nice to have you back in the live room. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Thanks. Fun. So. I kind of want to ask about Beckman or at least your thoughts on him. So I think we all mm -hmm. realized he had a pretty poor year in the HL last year, but looked good on video this week. The Wilder obviously posting him on socials. I don't know if that's a sign, but do you foresee him getting a chance this year or do you think it'll be later down the, the road and see with injuries or. Yeah, I, th I think that he will have a chance. Um, you know, especially if Greenlight Greenway is not ready for the season and, and the wild um, maybe only add one more body. Like if it's a free agent, um, you know, they're, they're, that would obviously fill a hole there. And the Wilds still don't have a ton of cap space to so just throw everybody on the team. 
But, um, you know, potentially it, it could be Rossi versus Beckman in camp in terms of going for a roster spot. But if Greenway is not ready for the start of the year, that to me is a natural position that you could put Beckman into the lineup. So I think that he'll have an opportunity. Um, it was obviously, you know, we were talking to him the other day and he was talking about how he had 200 shots last year and he just couldn't find the back of the net and that eventually hit his you know, it started to hurt his confidence. Uh, then ultimately, he was sort of put on a third, fourth line role with, with like Cody McLeod, who's actually one of his coaches this week. And, um, you know, I think that he just went into the summer, tried to clear his head. And, you know, he's come in as normal jovial self and it looks outstanding on the ice. Um, you know, I, I will say this. I didn't go yesterday because I just figured it'd be easier to be at my home base uh, for free agency. In hindsight, I sort of wish I did go <laughs> since I was sitting on my laptop for eight hours and nothing happened. Um, but, uh, um, but the other day, man, he looked awesome. And, uh, I just, I think the world of the kid, and I think that he's got a, a long NHL future. And I just think it was just, a, um, you know, it was an eye opening experience last year in Iowa in a tough league. And hopefully he learned a lot. We'll see if, if that, um, actually does, um, you know, if that, if that puts him in a position now to really have a big summer and come into camp ready to earn a roster spot. So thanks, Garrett. And Sam, well, quick thing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, I lost you. If you want to come back in, Garrett, although if I hit you uh, back onto the stage, it might take 10 minutes. But uh, Samuel, if you want to unmute your phone. Unmute your phone. There we are. Hey, there we are. Thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm a Sens fan. Um, and just looking at that Talbot trade, um, Talbot did his media rounds this morning in Ottawa. Um, and he mentioned he feels like he'd play 50 to 60 games um, a season. And um from uh, from our perspective, or from a center's perspective, really seems like he's in there for competition for Forsberg, mm-hmm. and Forsberg really mm-hmm. finished the season really strong. I'm just wondering, from an outsider looking in uh, from the past season, it really seemed like Talbot was quite upset and really made an issue yeah. in the room. Do you think that like potentially could happen here if Forsberg outplays Talbot, uh, kind of like what Marc Andre did? Um, do you think he, that could become a problem in the room? Because I think we have a pretty it's probably the best team thing yeah. about our team. Is, <laughs> Well, not a lot of issues. Thanks. Hey, yeah. yeah hey, before you hang up, um, let me ask you a question and then I'll answer yours. Tell, tell uh, Wild fans what you think of Gustafson. Uh, uh, not much. And uh, not like uh, he looked really rough last year. Um, he's been given a, he's been given a ton of opportunities in the AHL with um, in, with a pretty good uh, Bingham, Binghamton team as well. And every time where he gets handed the reins, he really kind of falters it. Um, so he's kind of, he's been really disappointing. Um, and like last year, the opportunities he had in the NHL, like, and again, Ottawa wasn't a good team. And so, um, it was really poor. And so maybe with a better defensive structure, he'll do better. Uh, but, uh, the worrying sign is when he was in the AHL, there was, there's been nothing yeah. to even look forward to. So I guess, uh, so, sorry. Uh, well, well <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for the honesty. Uh, appreciate Samuel. And to answer your question, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, obviously, Cam Cam wasn't happy, um, you know, the way that he was sort of pushed to the side in the playoffs um, down the stretch. There's no doubt about that. Um, by the way, Eric, I'm going to put you on the stage, and hopefully you'll get on there. And if you do, just uh, mute your phone, please. Um, uh, but I don't get the impression that Cam Talbot, like, was creating issues in the room or anything like that. Like, I, you know, the one thing, I, like, I truly believe that Cam – um, you know, inside the room was professional. I just think that he was bothered that he felt like 
all right, he was told when they acquired Marc-Andre Fleury that they would go with whoever was playing best going in the playoffs. And I think that when he went 13-0-3 down the stretch, um, that he probably, when he was pushed to the side, realized, all right, well, there was nothing I can do. And I think that what he worried about was because of the, you know, affinity that, that Bill Guerin has for Marc-Andre Fleury, that it would sort of be the same thing this year, that he would split time with Marc-Andre. And then once it got to the nitty gritty of the playoffs as, you know, provided the wild made it, that, that he would be pushed to the side again. I don't get the impression that Cam Talbot is somebody that's going to go into a room and if all of a sudden Forsberg gets more starts than him, is going to create all sorts of problems. He might be privately stung by it, but I don't think that he would publicly make a stink. Um, so I, I think that, th- that Cam is going to go into that situation. The guy keeps himself in insane shape. He's going to go into Ottawa. And he's going to be really, really excited about a team that had a huge, huge week. I mean, to add to Brinkett, to add Clojure, and now to Talbot, um, you know, this this rebuild is, uh, I think, in Pierre Dorian's mind, nearing an end. And now they're going to try to compete for a playoff spot in a very, very tough Eastern Conference. So um, I think Cam's going to be a big part of that if they make the playoffs. So I don't think you have to worry about him creating, um, you know, uh, any sort of controversy or any distraction there. Um, Eric B., uh, you're on stage. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, first off, just thanks for what you do. I always love reading your stuff. Uh, I think we're spoiled here in Minnesota having you. Um, thanks so much. And I've got a pretty simple question. Uh, do you happen to know and are able to say how many years Billy has left on his contract and if he'd have an extension coming down the line? I believe he has one year left. Um, God, with the pandemic, I always forget. So this is, is this year three or four? Um, it's three, I think. Three. So I believe he has. I actually cannot remember if it was a four or five year deal. Trust me, I've asked this question. You know, the only thing I'll tell you is that when I asked Craig Leopold this question um, and he just, you know, and and I do know that he hasn't gotten an extension yet. He just tells me that Bill Guerin is going to be a GM for a long, long time. There's nothing to worry about here. Um, You know, uh, but as far as I know, he hasn't gotten that extension yet. Obviously, he's had a very, very, very strange tenure with two shortened seasons, um, pandemic riddled, the bubble, all that type of stuff. Uh, last year was as close to normal as he possibly got. And yet, you know, the wild schedule was severely disrupted, really no fault of their own. It was all the you know stuff in January and, and late December with with the Canadian restrictions and things like that. Um, so I think that he's looking forward to just having a normal year where he can just manage his team. But um, but in terms of that, he's either got one or two years. I can't remember if it was a four or five year deal. One issue there, um, the reason why it really never got out is Bill Guerin di- um, didn't use an agent to do his contract. He did his own contract with the, with Craig. So they kept that in house and just called it a multi-year extension. But it, when I asked Craig Leopold at the end of the season, when I saw him in the hallway one day, um, he basically said he's going to be a GM a long, long time. Don't worry about it. So, but I don't have a firm answer for you. So, yep. Thanks for you. Thanks for the question. Uh, let's see if I can get the next person on here. Uh, Brad F. Let's see. Let's see if there's a lag. Yep, Brad. There you are. What's up? Hey, Mr. Russo. How are you? How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, echo everybody else. Thanks for doing this. And my question actually revolves around the coaching staff and if you foresee any um dare i say repercussions for the performance of our special teams last year have you heard any rumblings is there any direct assignments instead of uh, mm-hmm. failure by committee i mean i mean uh, success by committee not failure <laughs> by committee um 
So, um, repercussions, it's a good question. I mean, I do think, I'm not saying that, like, Dean's unnoticed, but I definitely think the assistants are. Um, the one thing I can tell you that Bill Guerin, I feel, hasn't minced words about. Now, he hasn't come out and said it directly, but he has sort of subtly said it is that he definitely challenged the coaching staff that they needed to coach better on special teams this year. And when we talked to Dean Evison last week in Montreal, he told me that they had a lot of meetings with the coaching staff after the season about special teams. They looked at all different of uh, power plays and penalty kills around the, the, the league. The assistant coaches were all assigned different, what he called, quote, tasks um, to do during the offseason. And then this week in development camp, when they were gathering, they were going to basically come up with new tweaks to the system. Now, there are obviously going to be personnel changes and things like that. I mean, that's just going to come by necessity also when you obviously, you know, lose guys like Fiala. Um, but, um, you know, Dean basically said that it is up to the coaching staff to figure this out and come up with uh, better personnel changes, but also tweak the system. So we'll see what that is. Um, we're probably not going to know, you know, pure details until training camp, but I think we are going to see, uh, you know, significant changes there. The other thing is, um, I think that we're going to see, uh, you know, tweak personnel as well. I, I think that, you know, if Addison makes the team, Dean made very clear that Addison runs the power play in Iowa from the point. If Mort Rossi makes the team, he made it very clear that Rossi is somebody that can run a power play from the half wall. Um, you know, Beckman, same thing. So there's going to be different uh, players that are also going to have a chance. So, but I do um, ag agree with your assessment that, you know, suddenly that that pressure is on the coaching staff. Um, they're all in the first year of a three year extension. So um, and as we've known from the history of Craig Leopold, he does not like to fire people and have money on the books. Um, you know, we saw that when Paul Fenton took over, he had a he pretty much kept Chuck Fletcher's regime. When Bill Guerin took over, he kept um, he kept uh, the same personnel that that Paul Fenton had. And so um, I don't know if that means that he would let assistant coaches go, Billy, but um, but this is a big year, I think, for the assistant coaches. Um, I'm going to put Alex on the stage, um, but uh, let me ask answer some questions in the chat function as well. Uh, Mason asks, is Kaprizov actually in Germany or are those reports false? Um, I can't answer that question uh, completely. Um, the only thing I'll tell you is that the quotes in that story that were attributed to Paul Theophanis, I'm told, were completely inaccurate, that they were actually quotes from another agent that's from Russia that has no affiliation with Kaprizov whatsoever. So um, that, to me, that article right away says something that shouldn't, you know, is basically something that, that can't be confirmed because it's just an agent talking about something, somebody that he has no affiliation with. So. I do, I was basically told to not buy into that report, and that also that Theophanis did not is not the one that that gave those quotes at all. So whoever I put on the chat function didn't pop in. Let me try Mark H. There you are, Mark. What's up? Hey Russo, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, yeah. I was just wondering if uh, you think potentially Kadri not signing yet is part of uh, what might set up some dominoes for next couple moves and if that could potentially include the wild um, thinking about the Rangers potentially having to move Kako if they end up signing him, um, mm -hmm. could be someone interesting for the wild to look at. Yeah. Well, I think that is exactly why Bill Guerin yesterday didn't just want to throw $2 million away on a bottom six forward or a middle six forward. I think that he wants to, whether he's in trade talks with other teams 
or he wants to see what the landscape happens here with with this domino. Um, because you're right. I mean, even with Kudrow, you know, right now, Columbus is going to have to make some moves. Um, uh, and, and I think it's the same thing. I think the Islanders are desperate now. Um, uh, you know, obviously uh, the reports are, I, I don't know if it was officially announced that Platt's going to uh, Jersey, but I think the Islanders are suddenly a team that struck out on a, a bunch of things. So are they going after Kadri? Um, is potentially Calgary going after Kadri? Um, as you mentioned, the Rangers. So I do think that Bill Guerin just wants to sort of be patient here and, um, which makes me a little uneasy because I'm going to Europe Friday. So, <laughs> so tomorrow actually. So, um, so yeah, uh, a little concerned about, uh, about, uh, when these moves are actually going to happen. Um, let me pull some other people in here. Ah, one of my favorite people, Tammy. Let's see if Tammy can get on the stage. There you are, Tammy. What's up? Hey, perfect timing. I just hung up the phone. I'm actually trying to work at the same time. How you doing, Michael? Hey, nice. Nice I'm doing to great. Talk to you. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Going to try and make it out to one of the live uh, the live recordings of Worst Seats one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> August 8th is our next one at Tuttle's, so hopefully yeah, everybody comes out. I'm going to see if I can make it out to that one. Uh, meantime, couple questions. A, I just text, I just tweeted this to you, and that's how I saw that the live room was starting. Um, do you think the Wild has any interest in Johan Larson? Do you think that there would be any chance they would sign? I see Erickson's ex brother, the goalie, is a free agent. Think they'd be interested in him in uh, Iowa? And do you think the Delorier? Signing was about the term or the dollar figure. I'll yeah. Um, wait, just stay on the line because I'm gonna. I'm a horrible. I have a horrible okay. Memory, so I might need you to remind me. In, in terms of Larson, I thought I saw a report that he was signing with Penguin with the Penguins. Um, but I could be wrong. Uh, I don't. I'm, I just googled it and it doesn't look like it's done yet. But I thought I saw a report that he was signing with the Penguins yesterday. Um, your second question was about what again? <laughs> Eric's the next brother. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think so because they signed Zane McIntyre. And so obviously they're saying that Gustafson's the number two, Zane McIntyre. And while that will be in Iowa, then they have Hunter Jones for, for, um, Iowa city. Um, so I don't think that they would need another goalie unless there was an injury. Um, it's funny. I met Ole uh, in the press box last year. He came with the Anaheim Ducks, and um, it was coincidentally when Eric Sinek had COVID, so he didn't even get to see his brother. But it was the first time I met uh, uh, Eric Sinek's brother, and he is—he's talks exactly like him. And yeah. I said to him, like, "Hey, next season, I want to do a brother-brother story." And he goes, "Well, hopefully, I'm playing somewhere." So <laughs> I don't know if that's a sign that he doesn't have confidence that uh, that he's not going that he's going to land the job. And your third question again was what? Oh, uh, the, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, four years, two million, about two million bucks. That was just something that the Wild were not willing to do there. Um, that four that four year deal with the Flyers was uh, that that rumor. In fact, I I brought it up on a podcast and a couple of radio shows. And it, before the Talbot trade, it was actually in my article yesterday, uh, two days ago. But uh, that four year deal at around two million for Delorier with the Flyers was. A big time rumor at the draft, so you just knew that he was moving on, and he'll, I think he'll be a popular figure in that town. Obviously, old broad, broad street bullies and all that stuff. So, thanks, Tammy. Sure. No problem. Hopefully, Take care. Appreciate see you August eighth. Okay. Well, looking forward to it. Cool. I think it's August eighth and August 29th. I think we're gonna be at Tuttle's, but definitely the eighth. Uh, let's try Jeffrey. 
uh, Jeffrey on the stage. Hey, Mike. Thanks for doing this. You're doing well. Um, You're an absolute beauty. We're all lucky to have you. Um, So I just have a quick question. Uh, Assuming that this whole career madness gets strained out at some point, um, you know, looking ahead after next year, which would be the 23-24 season, he starts a no-move clause for the last two years of his deal. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. If you think that Billy G is going to be, you know, in as early as two years from now, going to be in a situation where he needs to potentially trade him to avoid a situation where, you know, once that no-move clause gets, um, you know, takes hold, he needs to trade him two years from now to avoid losing him for nothing. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, that's such conjecture. Um, you know, I mean, the one thing that we have seen with no move clauses is that is that you can work with a player. And if, you know, I think Kirill Kaprizov and him have such a great relationship that if it ever got to the point where Bill Guerin felt like he had to move him, that he could work with him and find a team that would want somebody that is a, you know, heck of a player that would he'd be willing to go to. I mean, there are just ways. Other teams find ways out of the problem. And look what just Tampa just did. They basically just went to Ryan McDonough and essentially forced him to waive his no trade to go to 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 go to the the Predators. I mean, I think they subtly, according to reports from Nick Kiprios, basically told him, "If you don't do that, we're we're putting you on waivers, and you're liable to get picked up by a team like Columbus." And that's like, all right, then I'll waive it. Um, now, now he didn't have a no move clause, so as you said, there's no way you can't waive somebody with a no move. But I, you know, my my gut says that this is so far off into the future that Bill Guerin, you know, if, we, if it ever got to that point, he would work with the player and get that done. Uh, let me throw some other people on stages on the stage. But let me also, um, and Cole, you're next. Uh, if you get on there, just mute your phone real quick. Let me answer answer some chat questions. I got a ton of them. Uh, Thomas J asks, how do the Wild adapt to playing with Flurry, who plays more athletic style versus Talbot's calm style? I think one issue why maybe it didn't work with with Fleury in the playoffs last year is the Wild had two practices total after Marc-Andre Fleury's acquisition. They basically never, ever, ever practiced. And I just think that they just got different. They, as to your point, I think they just, you know, essentially didn't know where rebounds were going and things like that. I think the one thing that's going to absolutely help now with um, with this whole situation is that Fleury is going to be here right from training camp. They're going to practice with them every single day. And I just think that can only, only help. Um, let's see. Um, Chad L. I, I kind of feel like the wild did Talbot dirty. Appreciate the headspace. And I love flowers, but I feel bad for Cam. Um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I feel bad for the way, you know, things happen for him in the playoffs. Um, but look, um, you know, and, and there's part of me that thinks, all right, yeah, the Billy G is like, you know, we're going to send you the worst place team. But I think the, the Ottawa center's future is bright. They had a huge week, um, and, uh, you know, I think that he's, he's, this was not like a situation like when the Wild sent Eric Stahl to Buffalo. Let's put it that way. Uh, Aaron M. asked Dylan Strom any interest or fit within the cap. I think his price would have to come down significantly. Um, I have always gotten the impression that the Wild um, scouts have not been big fans of Ryan or Dylan um, because I've constantly asked about both players to sources inside the team. And I just never got the impression that there was just a lot of love there. 
So um, I don't know now if you get Dylan Strom at a $2 million salary or something, that might change things. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, Corey D, is there any fit for the Wild with Sonny Milano? I don't get the impression the Wild are in on uh, uh, like Sonny Milano at all, at all. Um, uh, Sam Steele, I do think they have time for. Cole, you want to unmute your phone? Hey, hey Michael, how are you? Good, how are you? What's up? Good, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Any concerns over the goaltending situation now that the plan was to do a 50-50 split. Um, but now that's out the window and Flurry's backup is relatively unproven. Um, is there any yeah, backup plan yeah. if, if things do go south? Thanks. Um, I don't think there's a backup plan. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Bill Guerin admitted on his call the other day that he was definitely disappointed that he didn't get to see the split uh, in fruition. You know, the only thing I'll say is Marc-Andre Fleury a year ago was a Vesna winner. Um, so he has not, you know, I, I was just at his place uh, last week when we were in Montreal and doing this huge story. I don't want to give away what this project is, but we're doing this really, really cool story. Cool, cool project at The Athletic that really starts, I think, mid-October, where we're going to just have essentially a hundred straight days of different stories. And um, uh, Mark Andre is one of the people that I'm doing. And so I'm basically sat at his house and I'm going to do just a massive colorful feature on this guy. And man, did he give me some great stuff and great time. And um, in fact, I'm flying to, to Budapest tomorrow. And the, my biggest thing that I'm doing on this flight is transcribing, um, transcribing uh, uh, all of the Mark Andre Fleury interview. And Jody uh, Anderson, if you're on this call, I'm also going to write the forward for your book tomorrow. So if you're on the call, uh, I'm definitely doing that. So um, I get the impression just from looking at Marc-Andre that while he was fine with a 50-50 split, Marc-Andre also is somebody that feels that he can play every game. And so if they can get 60 games out of him and maybe 20-something, 22 out of uh, Philip Gustafson, I think that would be huge. Maybe it's 55 you know, you know, 27 type thing. Um, We'll see. But um, I don't disagree with you that it's a little bit of concern when you have a goaltender that's going to be 38 years old. But this isn't like, you know, a normal 38 year old. He looks like he's about 25 and uh, both the way he looks and and physically as well. Uh, Garrett, let's see if you get back. You're back here, Garrett. What's up? You always know how you what how to do this. Does it work? I hear so, you. Yeah, I just I would love to see a line with Rossi centering Boldy and Joe. Do you think this is something that could happen this year? I know Billy G said on NHL Network that all three of those are going to get a lot of big opportunities. So what that means, yeah. I don't know. But that is that something that you'd like to see? Because I'd love to see that line. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're going to give Tyson Jost uh, an elevated opportunity, that's where it's got to be, right? I mean, Zuccarello is obviously playing with Kaprizov and Hartman, and you're going to keep the grief line intact, um, you know, unless they start with Jost on the left wing of the grief line, if, if Greenway is not available, but I'll just say this, uh, Tyson Jost played with the grief line um, last year when there were injuries last season. And in my opinion, it did not work. Um, so I don't know if I, I, I think that um, maybe a Beckman would fit in better there. And you put Jost um, on with Rossi, the, you know, a lot of it's going to be up to Dean Garrett, you know, as well as I do um, his, uh, you know, his uh, love for, for Goudreau and, and, you know, is he going to be willing to play Goudreau in a fourth line role there? Um, so, uh, you know, that's the big question. Um, Nicholas. There, I hear you, Nicholas. What's up? 
Hey, Mike, I was I kind of coming a little late, but you said maybe Billy Jagaran's being a little patient. Um, what what could he possibly look into trade? Who would who would be uh, would be some candidates to trade? Um, I think the, the candidates to trade would be a Kulikov. Um, I don't know if he'd be willing to do that, though, um, just because of John Merrill's injury status. But I think Kulikov, it makes a lot of sense with one year left at 225. The other one would be Jost at, at one year left at two. And the other one I hate to be the broken record for the last 10 years, but the other one would be Dumba. I mean, Dumba, you know, there's going to be two options for Dumba this year. He's either going to have to get traded or three, I guess. You can lose him for nothing, or he's going to have to sign an extension in the four to four and a half million dollar range. Um, you know, there's no way there, he's going to have to take a significant haircut if he wants to uh, play. So, um, you know, those are the three guys. And I mentioned, I did mention on this call that I do get the impression from people around the league that, that he has quietly shopped them, but to just at least see if there's interest. Now that doesn't mean that he's looking to trade them now, but you know, again, you're entering the last year of the deal. You, they haven't talked extension yet with Matt Dumba. You know, maybe you're just at least gauging if anybody would want him. Um, but there had just, there has never been like he has tried. You know, he has tried to, to move him before and there just hasn't been interest in him. So um, and that, you know, obviously, I'm sure Billy would deny it. But but that's coming straight from a lot of sources around the league. Um, thanks, Tanner. Um, Court asks uh, if I'm in Red Rocks uh, tonight for Trampled. I was going to go to that show, um, but I decided not to just with uh, since I'm going tomorrow afternoon to Europe. I just was a little worried about getting back to Denver with all these airlines, just constantly canceling, canceling questions. Uh, Joseph asked. Um, do you think uh, Wallstack gets the call up in the next two years? Um, I think that we'll see him at times, um, but they're going to let, they're not going to rush this kid. They're going to, you know, I mean, you know, to um, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, the, the Samuel, that was the Ottawa Senators fan that talked about Gustafson and gave the scouting report with him. You know, he's somebody that, that, um, you know, he, he was thrust into the AHL at 20 years old and maybe it was a little too early for him and he got the call up to the NHL and maybe a little too young as well. Uh, you know, it's a hard position. Um, you know, look at Darcy Camper. He's finally coming to his own. Um, and I just think that they don't want to do anything that's going to at all, um, you know, uh, hurt his, hurt his, um, you know, development. Uh, Laurie asked if there's any interest in uh, Derek Stepan. I did hear yesterday that the Wild had called on Derek Stepan, but it was one of those things that it was like, all right, you know, if you're available in the next couple of days, maybe we'll circle back on you. I, I just, um, you know, they had the opportunity to sign Derek Stepan last year. And I think that they felt like uh, it was somebody that was just a little bit too um, slow for the wild, um, you know, for their system and, and things like that. So, um, uh, you know, I just don't know if it would happen, but I did hear that they at least made a phone call uh, to step on yesterday. Um, already asked, why don't we trade for JT Miller? Um, you know, I think that a lot of it is cap space. If you're going to trade for him, you're probably going to want to extend them. And I just don't know if the wild have that ability to do that. I can tell you that Bill Guerin, I believe loves JT Miller and would do that in a minute, but I just think it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, right now financially, um, but he, he would be perfect here. Preston asked any news on the third Jersey. They're going to have the reverse retros this year. Um, I, my gut says that le- that it'll be green, like a nor- North Star's green type. And uh, then the third jersey will come out in two years. Um, let me go. Let me throw somebody here on stage. Let's try that. Um, Aaron M. 
Aaron M. What's up? Hey, Michael. Appreciate you, you doing? doing this. Good. Um, couple couple questions. Um, one, do you think, uh, do you have any insight if Nino uh, Niederreiter is garnering interest from teams? I'm kind of surprised he didn't get signed the first day, given he's a consistent 20-goal yeah. scorer. Um, and then my other question, um, I've seen rumors or, or stories that Jesse Pujarvi, if I butchered that, uh, mm-hmm. is the, the Edmonton's looking to trade him would, would the mm-hmm. wild have any interest in, in a player like him? I, I haven't checked his cap hit, but, um, yeah. Yeah. The problem is he's RFA. So it, I, I think he's RFA. So it would depend on what his, his price is. Um, I can tell you that the wild, um, uh, scouts and Bill Guerin, I do believe, um, you know, uh, like his game and things like that. I don't know if that means that they'd be willing to trade for him. Um, but I do think that they have liked him in the past. Um, in terms of Nino, um, according to my sources, so Nino, um, I found this out actually uh, this morning. Nino fired his agent and hired Alan Walsh, who's Fleury's agent, Pacioretty's agent, coincidentally. Um, and, uh, and the reason why I say that is Pacioretty was traded to Carolina yesterday in a lot of ways, sort of takes that role um, that from Nino. Um, I heard that um, that Nino's ask from the Carolina Hurricanes was unbelievably exorbitant. Um, and when the ask happens and they felt that it was more money than anybody else would give him on the open market, they decided to move on from him. And now I think Nino is probably in that boat that a lot of free agents are at right now that are now in a bit of a panic situation and realizes, all right, now I'm going to have to take significantly less. So I'm going to be really interested what happens with Nino, but I think that he probably took a gamble on his ask from Carolina and Carolina just said, no, thank you. And when they, instead of saying no, thank you, and actually having a negotiation, they just said, no, thank you. And traded for Brent Burns and Mac Fetch ready and uh, signed Kashi. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit, uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I feel bad. Um, yeah. and, and you know, it, it was a little strange to me that he fired his agent because I thought his agents done a really good job for him in the past. I mean, he was $5 million hockey player. Um, so, um, so, but you know, his agent doesn't have a lot of guys. Maybe that's it. He, you know, and Alan's a hard-nosed guy. Uh, so, um, but I, but they definitely asked for a lot of money. I think too much than Carolina was willing to give them. So I found that out actually uh, a couple hours ago. Um, so uh, thanks for any other questions, Aaron. Nope, nope, that's it. Oh, uh, actually, one other yeah. one. I guess are you, are, would, are you and Sarah planning to do any sort of uh, like sit down with? La Fontaine, it'd, it'd be really interesting to see his, where his headspace is at right now because he's kind of been through the ringer with this whole uh, last couple months with his decision to leave the Gophers. Yeah, you know, um, when I get back and if he hasn't signed anywhere, maybe I will give him a, I'll throw him a text and ask if he wants to talk. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't get what happened there. I mean, it's one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and look, I have a lot of respect for Don Waddell and the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, but they had a short-term problem, and they treated Jack LaFontaine like he was a minor leaguer and essentially brought him up. The guy left his team in a lurch in the middle of a, 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 of a national championship campaign. The, uh, you know, guys have left te- seasons in the middle, right? Charlie Coyle did that at BU. Kyle Poso did that at the Gopher at the U. I've never seen a number one goalie just in the middle of the year say, adios in the middle of a campaign. So right away, I just think that left, that's a bad taste. And now you got to wonder if they regret it because he comes up, he plays one game. He has a seven goals against, they send him to the minors and it's like, it rattled them. 
and then they don't qualify them. And it's just, I, I just, it, to me, it is such a ridiculous thing that you would take a kid out of college just because of a short-term problem, throw him against, throw him the wolves. And, and essentially now you got to just wonder where he's, where he's going to go. I mean, I got to think that this is one of those, I would think that, and he's a smart kid and I feel bad for sort of ripping on him. I think the hurricanes did him dirty, but I think that he did his team dirty. And I think that years and years from now, I think he's going to regret this decision, um, you know, for, for leaving the U in the middle of the year to go play, essentially play one game in Carolina. I don't know what the promises were made to him, but it was just a weird decision at the time. And now in hindsight, I got to think he, he's like, what the hell did I do? I don't know who's giving him advice. I saw his agent is Jason Woolley and, um, and Jason, um, I covered in Florida. Great guy. Um, former defenseman played for the Red Wings as well. Um, it's his, according to Puckpedia, his only client. So I don't know if he was giving him advice or what happened here. Um, but you're, but it would make a good story. So, um, so maybe when I get back in town, I'll try to get Jack a call because he's a very intelligent kid. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, let's try Alexander. Oh, Alexander, you're going to kill me. I just X'd you out. So go back into stage and you'll be next. Let's try Carter. Hey, there you are, Carter. Yep. What's up? Uh, kind of lucky timing here staying on the Carolina bandwagon. Did you happen to see Carolina's tweet thanking future considerations for their time in Carolina? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't see that, but that's yeah. awesome. It was in response um, to the patch ready trade. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, and, and continuing down that line, uh, looking at cap friendly, Vegas is in, you know, cap hell as is kind of Edmonton right now. And they got six, seven players that they got to add to, to get to the, uh, you know, a minimum roster. Uh, is there more freebies coming out of those two teams? Uh, you said, uh, which team? I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. I think Vegas, Vegas, oh, has yeah. like 16 um, rostered spots and Edmonton's got 17 and they're both at or above the cap. Yeah, I know. There's going to have to be a lot of, I mean, I, again, I, you know, I, you know, it's funny because yesterday I think we're all um, sitting, waiting for the wild to just sign like a Zach Aston Reese or a Ryan Carpenter type or Johan Larson or something like that. And, you know, in hindsight, because of what you just said and what a lot of people are saying, I think it really was prudent. Um, to really now that you digest this for Bill Guerin to sort of sit back and just see what what these teams are going to do, because it would be look, you know, I, I think that one issue here is I do think that he spent money pretty frivolously down the stretch of the season that cost him. Not, I'm not even saying just cost him Fiala because they obviously made that decision to not sign Fiala. That was a decision they made a long, long time ago. But when they, you know, when they signed Merrill, the three-year extension and Greenway, the extension and brought in Tyson Jost and, um, and, you know, re-signed Alex Galagoski at 2 million. Like it just, I mean, it just, it affected yesterday. Right. And so, um, you know, I respect the fact that he didn't want to make a mistake yesterday and spend his money. But I think one problem is that he spent money probably a little too, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say carelessly, but a little, you know, he just threw money around there in the second half of the season. And I think that it affected him now. So um, I, I think that one of the reasons why he didn't go and make that move yesterday is unless they are just waiting for a bargain like a Dylan Strom to become a two million dollar player or something like that. Um, I think it makes sense for him to just sit back tight and see if any of these other teams are going to be forced to, you know, give away players and, and retain money sort of the way, obviously, the Wild couldn't even make Pacioretty work, but maybe something like that happens. So um, good question. Um, let's try Joshua C. 
What's up? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Hey, uh, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I know we can beat on the Wildcats face all we want, but uh, I want to know your opinion. How do you feel, uh, how short do you feel like the leash is for Chuck Fletcher over in Philly? I think it's going to be short. By the way, Alexander, I'll get to you next. I I forgot about that. Sorry. Um, Yeah. um, You know, uh, I think it's short. (laughs) Um, I I heard that it was short last year. Obviously, they made the decision to come back with them. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, Obviously, they have they've had lots of issues there and, and, um, and, um, I do think that he's in, he's in a bit of trouble. There's no doubt about it. Any other questions? No, no, that's all I got. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to expand beyond that, but I do think that he's got a short leash. Um, let me try Alexander again. Sorry about that. Alexander before what's up, Alexander, Michael, can you hear me? Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, long-time reader, first-time listener, just wanted to ask, uh, when is the window for the Wild? I know we were going for the Cup last year, but uh, mm-hmm. losing an 85-point guy in Fiala yeah. kind of makes me think, you know, this year might not be our year, but are we shooting two years down the line, three years? Yeah. Are we waiting for Wallstead? Are we waiting for Kuznadinov, Yurov? Um, what do you think are the big keys moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be all those guys. I do think that last year was the year that they had to 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 – succeed i think they that was pretty clear because it was going to be the last year of fiala and now they're going to be relying on on some you know cheaper players here in the next two or three years you know i think the window starts probably after um after the buyout charges really um expire here i think it's going to be tough doing business here the next two or three years they're going to be counting pennies left and right um and, you know, as tough as this summer was with the 12.7, remember the next two seven two years with the cap pretty much flat, it's going up to 14.7 and 14.7 in terms of uh, the dead money charges. Now, the, the so the way it's the way that I understand it is that once the owners, the pl- owners are paid back by the players here in the next two years, the cap is supposed to go up, you know, pretty appreciably. You know, obviously a lot of can change in the world. Who knows, you know, what happens with the pandemic, with anything. Um, so who knows, but the, the goal of the, by a lot of teams is that they believe in 2024, the cap is going to go up significantly, which will be big by the wild because, you know, big for the wild because their cap pain really goes to 2025. So they're going to need that cap to go up in two years, but it's, it's going to be hard the next two years. But the good news is, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it start to really play out here in camp because there's a lot of really quality players on the ice in this development camp. And I'll, I'll hopefully write about that today. Um, uh, you know, uh, going into and have a story for tomorrow, a little bit on guys like Rossi and Beckman and Wallstead. Um, but this team, you know, according to our Scott Wheeler had the fourth best prospect pool in the league. They now added, added eight more guys, including four picks in the top 57, 56. Um, two first round picks, really um, a lot of praise coming from the people that would know about their draft. And um, I saw one, one I think it was hockey prospecting, have net the Wild now with the second best po- prospect pool in the entire National Hockey League, which is quite a change from where we were 10 years ago when they had, when it was completely bare. And so I think because of the number of real quality young kids they have coming in goal up front, especially on the blue line, I think the window is going to be pretty bright when they get out of this uh, cap hell. So the problem is, is just sort of treading water up until then. And we'll see if they can do it. Um, it's obviously going to be hard. 
Nicholas, uh, was that you, Nicholas? I think it might have been. That was Alexander. Uh, Nicholas, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Michael? Thank you for doing this. Not much. Um, just wanted to ask you two questions. Um, I know you had mentioned briefly that Dumbo was kind of quietly getting shopped. With the type of cap space that would open up if they're able to kind of just get futures for him, do you think that opened the door to sign maybe somebody more middling as opposed to a bottom six or maybe trade for one in that instance? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I still think Toronto this is going to make everybody throw up, but uh, I still think Toronto has interest in Zumba uh, or might. They used to. And what's going to make you throw up is that I was I, I have been told now by multiple sources that the year that William Nylander held out. And if you remember, on December 1st, the Toronto Maple Leafs showed up to Minnesota. And so it would have been 20, 2018. Um, December 1st, 2018, his holdout ends. That was the day that the Toronto Maple Leafs had to sign him by, or he was not going to be able to play the rest of the year. They show up about a week before I was told that Kyle Dubas, now again, this is by multiple sources, but not confirmed, but I was told by multiple sources that Dubas offered Paul Fenton, um, Nylander straight up for Dumba and that, that Fenton said no. And so what that tells me is that at least what four years ago the Leafs had interest in Dumba. Um, they still need a right shot defenseman. You know, could there be a marriage there? I don't know. So I don't know if there would be for futures or if the Wild are banking on trying to get a player for Dumba, but it would open up six million dollars worth of cap space. Now he's in the last year of his deal, so um, you know the Wild have been you know are trying to figure out exactly how to handle the situation. You know I will say that that you know Bill Guerin does have a lot of time for Dumba. But the thing, Bill Guerin has a lot of time for Dumba if he's willing to take a pay cut on an extension. And if he's not, he's either going to have to trade him or lose him for nothing. Because I just cannot see fathom a way that the Wild would be willing to give Dumba more than, say, $4.5 million on an extension. And I don't know as much as Dumba loves Minnesota. I just don't know if he would take you know such a pay cut. But he might. He might. Who knows? Um, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. Um, got a bunch yeah, of people on. Yeah, we got a bunch of people on stage. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. 
With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, I do have to wrap this up in a little bit here because for multiple reasons. Um, um, I got a pack for Europe. I got a, the three-on-three tournament tonight, but I also want to do a big story on um, on all the prospects from this week, um, and I need to get that done before the three-on-three tournament. So um, we're going to wrap this up probably in about 20 minutes or so. Um, Joseph um, and Jeff Domet, if you're listening, if that is not good for you, if you need it to wrap up sooner, just text Slack me. Um, Joseph, uh, what's up? Hey, Mike. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. I uh, just had a quick question about what your personal thoughts are on how Garen's handled the offseason so far. Because I feel like, you know, even though it, they had decided well beforehand that they were going to move on from Fiala, I felt like it's kind of weird and disingenuous yeah. to say, oh, we would have had to have yeah. traded multiple players if to keep them. And now you're talking about how they're thinking of going with Dumba anyways. They already traded Talbot. Yeah. Those two alone would yeah. have opened up the cap space to keep Fiala. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to extend Dumbo when you have all these prospects in a defense. I know they're not their windows right not not now, but like let's say let's say Dumbo's gonna take a pay cut to four and a half million. He's gonna want term. And if you give him term, then you're blocking out one of these real quality defensemen that you're developing, right? They've got five or six, seven guys that are, you know, they feel have NHL futures. So I just don't get why you why you would do that. Um, in terms of Fiala, um, you know, I, I think we're I don't want to say mistake, but I think that where where things just where they, it was very clear that they were moving on from him was when they were just you know two million here for Joe's, two million here for Galagoski. It just became obvious that they were not saving any money for, for Fiala. So the, the big deal was how are you going to maximize um, the, the trade value for a guy as good as Kevin Fiala when everybody in the league knows that you can't afford him and when he's one year from unrestricted free agency. And I think it was probably a tough trade for Bill Guerin to make. I think Seattle had interest. I think that Ottawa and New Jersey had interest. But I think New Jersey might have had where we thought they were going to have a lot of interest. I think they sort of backed off because they started to figure out we're going to go after Goudreau. Um, and if Kevin Fiala made it clear that he was not willing to sign long term in a place like Ottawa or Seattle, it put him sort of like, all right, L.A.'s got to be the team. And now it's can you get as much value as you can from the L.A. Kings? And I think that he feels he did that. You know, he got. He always thought he was going to get a first-round pick and a prospect for Fiala. And, you know, they picked the prospect. They like Brock Faber a lot. Um, I thought they were probably going to get a center or a forward or would want a center or a forward as the prospect, but they love Faber. And um, I will tell you that scouts around the league, every single scout they ask about Faber, their eyes light up. So there's a lot of people that think this guy is going to be a heck of a player um, in this league. And um, so, uh, so that's from the Fiala standpoint. And then the Talbot flurry thing is, I mean, look, uh, you know, that, that one's interesting as well. I mean, where that thing went awry is just the way they treated Talbot in the playoffs. That's where things broke down. I think Talbot would have been fine with a 50-50 split if, you know, he maybe started earlier in the playoffs um, and wasn't just thrown to the wolves in game six. So, um, you know, that that's the one where I think that we're going to be looking next year and deciding, all right, did Bill Guerin make a major misstep here? Um, you know, because he just so likes flour that he put all his eggs in there, forgetting that 
he was probably pissing off uh, Cam Talbot. And even though he says no petty BS, no drama and no controversy, the reality is, is that Cam made it pretty clear at the end of the year that he was pretty stung by the whole thing. And so when they brought him back, he almost should, you know, he wasn't expecting that Cam was going to make a big stink, and he absolutely did. Uh, Josh asked, do you ever keep in touch with Hollow? Wondering how he feels about jumping to a new team. I have not asked him about that, but I did uh, last year at Octagon Camp. Uh, he and I had a real nice chat for about 10 minutes. Um, just going down the chats, and let me put somebody else on stage here. Um, Matthew, you are on stage. Um Chris J. asked any chance to bring back Nino for a bottom six role. I just, I I don't think so. I I just have gotten the impression in the past that that they're not big Nino fans uh, inside the organization. Matthew, what's your question? Uh, Thank you for doing this again. Uh, Two questions. Do you know if they're streaming the 3v3 game tonight? Um, Kevin Fallness, if you're still listening, text me. Let me, uh, let me just. Let me go back to my release and see if it says anything in there. Hang on for a second. It's not in the release. Let me text. Uh, let me text the PR right now, and hopefully they text me back and gives me give me that answer. Um. So yeah, I'll find out. All right, I'll find out and let you know. So uh, hopefully by the uh, time we're done, they text me back. Me back. Um, let's try uh, Nicholas. And we're going to hey, try, Marcus. I'm going to run through everybody in the queue. And I feel bad always getting like ending the show when people are in the queue. So if you do me a favor, I got like nine people in there. Just you stay in. I'm going to run through it fast. And then uh, if nobody else can come in, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Nicholas, what's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for doing this. Just a quick question. Um, I'm not super familiar with how the cap rules work, but I'm just wondering with Greenway and Merrill, I'm not sure how bad their injuries are. But with their injuries to start the season, what are the chances the Wild could do something like Tampa Bay did a couple of years back and sign a more higher priced player than we would have with them still affecting our cap? Yeah, I don't think that would be possible because I, the way that I get it is that this is just normal rehab that just might push them into, the say, the month of October. And, you know, even if you went into LTI, first of all, they would have to miss 10 games or 30 days to do that. Um, eventually you have to get cap compliant. So it's not, unless one of them was suddenly going to miss the entire year, um, th- that would probably be something that they're incapable of doing. Um, and so Fallness is uh, calling tonight's game. Uh, let me find out if uh, if it's on YouTube or wild.com. So uh, I'll let you know that in a second. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's sort of the answer there is that they're wild or not banking that they can, uh, that they're going to be able to take advantage of LTI too significantly there. It might allow them to call up minor leaders, but not, um, not going out there right now and sign a player at like say two, three million bucks. It, it probably is not happening. Jacob, what's up? Hey Mike. Um, hope you're doing well. Uh, so my question is when you say that there hasn't been a whole lot of interest in Dumba. Um, are you saying that there's not a whole lot of interest in Dumba at the price that the Wild are asking for, or just not a whole lot of interest at all? Uh, interest at all is the way that has always been explained to me. So um, uh, it sounds like uh, that tonight's thing, by the way, is on Wild.com, but I'm trying to get more clarity. So, it, But it will be streamed. So I would either try Wild.com or try their Wild YouTube channel, but I'll try to find out by the end of the show. Um, uh, but yeah, I, the way it has always got 
to me is that the price that he originally the price when I talked to other GMs around the league, uh, the price originally was going to be, say, a first and a, and a prospect. And I think it was right away made clear to Bill that probably he was not landing that. And I just get, have always gotten the impression that there just has not been a ton of interest out there for him. That's just, um, you know, I mean, I, I know I know that to be true because I can't tell you how many GMs have told me that there's just not a lot of um, there's not that they've tried to trade him and it hasn't happened yet. So that just leads me to believe that 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 um, that there hasn't been a lot of interest. And that could be why Bill is always so protective of him, right? One, maybe he's talking him up publicly, but two, it's like he he's also needs to protect him because he knows that right now he can't move him. So he's got to give a reason, you know, rather than just saying nobody wants him. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, they'll figure this out here in the next little while. Let's try Joe O. Hey, Mike. Uh, sorry about earlier. I must have needed yeah, no an update and got kicked out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have kind of two goalie related questions and I, you've kind of uh, answered some of it. But in your opinion, I guess, do the Wild need to adapt their play style this year to play in front of Flurry, Or do you think Flurry might need to kind of rein it in? Um, in terms yeah. of like the theatrics and the saves that are <laughs> out of position, but cool at times. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, and then you, oh, sorry, yeah. I was gonna do a second no, no. one too, and then I'll mute myself. But um, in the case of like an injury, God forbid, if Flurry or um, you know our new backup gets hurt, do you think that you know Jesper Wallstead might make an appearance this year, or do you think he's firmly trenched in Iowa for the year? I think mean, he might make an appearance, but I think that they believe that you know that when they resigned Zane McIntyre, I think they did that knowing that he would be the guy that would probably get called upon, and I think they believe a lot in in Zane. He had a you know really quality uh, time when he got to Iowa as well. I believe he's played NHL games. Um, you know, uh, hang on. Um, you know, uh, by the way, the person that asked me, I'm just like rummaging through the chat too. Somebody asked me about uh, my thoughts on Rodriguez. I actually like him a lot. Like he's one guy. If the price came down, I would definitely uh, consider. And uh, Zane McIntyre has played eight NHL games, obviously. So I mean, I think that they look at him as being the guy. I don't think they're going to want to rush uh, Wallstad by just bringing him up and, and throwing him to the trenches. I really don't. Um, but I mean, look, you know, you have to play the, you have to see how Gustafson is. You have to see, um, you know, how this season plays out. The good news is, is that there's always goalies available that you can always acquire that, uh, you know, would be a, like a third goalie type and things like that. Um, let's try Doug R. We got five more questions on the stage and then we're going to wrap up the show. What's up, Doug? Uh, Doug disappeared. Let me try Ryan C. All right. Ryan and Doug didn't pop on stage. Let's try Kyle. Kyle, there you are. What's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, Kansas City native here, but thanks for doing this and everything. Just was yeah. curious after seeing the Patrick Ready trade yesterday. Um, really surprising to see the return for that. Uh, I like the question about the Chuck Fletcher leash. Uh, how, how big is the leash in Vegas with Kelly McCrimmon and yeah. after all that cap mismanagement? Thanks. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't think there's a lot of people crying for them. But uh, but look, I mean, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon do a lot of things in concert there. They obviously have capologists. They went broke for a while and, and it caught up to them. Um, so, um, 
you know, I, I can't answer that to be true. To, to, I can't answer that uh, with all um, accuracy. Where, where uh, conversely, I'm, I'm, I've got a pretty good sense that that Chuck is, um, you know, that his leash is pretty short. Um, Paul Stasny, question from Kevin R. Um, I like him. I'm not sure about the Wild. I think he'd be perfect on a one year deal. Um, um, when draws, I, I, I've always liked him. I just again, the Wild again have had ample opportunity to bring him in. And um, and haven't uh, Bill P.S. I read Bjorkstrand could be a cap casualty in Columbus. Any interest for the wild? Um, again, another player I like. I don't know about the wild. I've never asked about him. He's basically from here, even though he's European. He is. He basically spent his, you know, he grew, uh, his family's from here in Minnesota. His dad was born here, all that stuff. But I think from Hopkins. So I always joke that he's kind of one of us. Um, Brendan asks how far away a Lambos and O'Rourke O'Rourke will go to Iowa this year. Lambos is under 20. So he'll go back to the CHL, um, and have a big year in Winnipeg. Um, and the wild actually drafted one of his teammates, uh, Winnipeg. So, uh, they'll, they'll be, uh, camera escapes me which one right now. I'm just, um, just flying through the, the chat functions. Uh, let me try OC. And then the last two are on, on stage right now or in the queue right now. Hey, can you hear OC, me? Mike? What's up? Yep. What's up? Uh, I have a question about Tyler Mott. What do you uh, think about him? I think uh, he's a yeah. pretty decent bottom six guy for us. Yeah, I like him too. Um, you know, he of all the bottom six guys. So originally right before, I mean, it's funny. Like literally the second that we were going to run Talbot, um, that, that the Talbot trade happened, I was going to post a, a story on all the bottom six forwards that they can get. I mean, literally the second the trade went down. And That's we crazy. obviously scrapped that story. Um, so let me go into that story because it's still in my drafts and tell you. So I had Mott as the Mott and Ashton Reese as the two guys that made the most sense, but they were also the two guys that, that made, that were going to draw the most money out of, um, out of this, uh, their projections according to evolving hockey were, um, let me find it. Their projections were, it was like two, nine and two, eight. I can't remember. But uh, Mott and Ashton Reese were, were on there. Um, the others were Rooney, Carpenter, uh, Yanmark, Stepan, Trevor Lewis, Riley Nash, uh, Darren Helm, Johan Larson, and Colin Blackwell is another one. Um, and uh, I'm just texting with PR to finally get the answer to this. I don't know why it's so hard to get an answer on where this stream is going to be. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll – uh, I, I have one more question. Yeah. Quick. Uh, were there anybody yesterday they were interested at all? I mean, Blackwell got signed by Chicago. Kind of sucked. Yep. Because I kind I liked him. But um, uh, yeah. So yesterday is a tough day to find out exactly what's going on because, um, like, like an example, and I'm not going to give the player two examples. Two agents texted me out of the blue saying the Wild are big time in on their players. And then I did due diligence, like, in, and, it, and I did due diligence on my side because I always second source things. And I went to wild sources and they gave me the uh, no effing way replies. Um, and that's the problem with free agency. Um, and sometimes it, for me is that a lot of times you, you, when an agent is giving you information, you've got to check like too many writers just throw stuff out there that's not true. And agents use sometimes writers to drum up um interest in their client or to make an, another team that they're actually negotiating with thinking that hey Minnesota's going after them as well um you got to give more money so i'm always i i got burned years and years ago by an agent using me 
Um, and it really taught me a valuable lesson. So yesterday was a day where I can't give you 100% accuracy if the Wild went for a player and totally struck out or just backed out. Um, I will say that Bill Guerin said in his call that he they called on a lot of players and that in his mind just nothing made sense. So um, I can't tell you if they sort of struck out on anybody yesterday or if they just, you know, made a concerted effort to back out and just be a little more patient. So um, thank you. There's my, yep, there's my answer there. Um, two more. As long as they come on the stage. Jack B, Jack what's B. up? Jack B, hey, what's Michael. up? Hey, um, was wondering, so I listened to Judd score North and they were talking about the Malkin trade and then a couple hours later came to fruition. Um, thought that was hilarious. I was wondering if you guys had any insight on potential Wyatt New Power trade from Detroit. Um, a who's trade? Wide new power. Um, I don't know what was the ju- what was the Judd Malkin stuff. He was saying that now that um, Talbot's gone, we can free up the cab space to oh, go yeah, for yeah, a Malkin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people on Twitter were 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 doing that too, and, and it was just bizarre to me. Like I, I don't know if they like I, I'll just give you a funny like little anecdote. So I'm I'm tight with Pat Pat Brisson. I ran into Pat and his dad on the walk back to the hotel after day two of the draft and we were chatting. And then I even said to him, like, uh, I said, uh, you know, any chance Malkin will sign one year at eight fifty, And because uh, the wild have ample cap space for that. And, you know, we were just laughing at the fact that the wild, uh, you know, didn't have room. I mean, you know, Malkin was always going to get at a minimum five to 6 million or more. Um, if he went on the open market, it would be more like, it just never was like, I don't know where wild fans suddenly thought that, tr- that bring up 2.67 million, when the Wild only had 1.4 million, it was going to land Malkin. Um, they still have to operate their team. Rossi still has a chance to make the team. Addison still has a chance to make the team. Beck- I mean, this is not infinite amount of money. The Wild, you know, we were saying it all along. The Wild had to make a trade at some point um, to free up space. So um, I, I just um, the whole Malkin thing was just bizarre to me. So um, I don't know why uh, everybody got got their hopes up for that. Um, if we if we do find a trading partner for Dumba, do you think that is a time where Billy could go and get a number one center? Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe in the, tra- I don't think in that trade, but it would free up the money. Right. The problem is that number one center doesn't exist anymore, at least via free agency. So um, it's probably too late there, but what it would do is it would make them a player at some point to either make a trade, another trade, or, um, you know, I haven't checked out the free agents uh, last year, um, next year and who those guys are. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, I do think that it, it like to me, it's just like tr- as much as I actually think a Talbot Flurry tandem would be a lot safer than what they have right now. Like the second they signed Flurry, that was my that was when things got really tense between Bill Guerin and I and the post um, draft conversation. You know, when I, I asked him those four or five questions in a row and finally he's like, enough. Um, but my question to him was going to be, why not trade Talbot? Like now is the time, like, but I was thinking trade Talbot to free up that 2.67 to go get a impact forward yesterday, which obviously to add to, to this, to, to this point, he hasn't, but to me, um, they have, they had to free up cap space at some point anyway, because just Marco Rossi and at Kalen Addison put them over the cap at 1.4. And you always need to have extra salary cap room in season anyway, for call-ups and things like that. Uh, because unless you're putting a guy on LTI mm-hmm. R, 
you know, you're anybody you call up is counting against the cap in addition to the guy that's injured. So they just didn't have enough money to operate the team. So somebody was had to be traded, whether it was Talbot, Jost, Kulikov. I mean, there's only so many options. So you just knew at some point there was going to be a trade and there still might be another trade. So um, and last one for the show, Joe. O. yep. Joe sorry, o. Mike. I'm back. Um, okay. I cut you off with a second question. So I was going to see. Again, uh, do you think Marc-Andre Fleury needs to adapt to the Wilds' defensive structure, or do you think the Wild need to adapt to Fleury's gunslinger oh. mentality? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I don't know if I even answered all that. So, um, yeah, the uh, basically what I was saying is that at 38 years old, you can't make ex- expect that Marc-Andre Fleury is just going to change his style that he's played his entire career. So the Wild are going to have to adapt to that. I thought he was 25. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, so the Wild are going to have to sit there and, and you know, they're going to have to know that his job. I mean, you know, like a lot of a lot of goal. I mean, I remember, you know, it, a lot of goalies that were always taught by the Allaire brothers. I mean, you know, Roberto Luongo is a great example. I covered him in Florida and he used to always say what he's taught is I got to make the first save and then it's up to me to recover. But it's up to the defenseman to clear out those rebounds. And I do think um, uh, that um, it is up to. Um, the defense to to figure out a way to work with Mark Andre uh, Fleury. So, um, you know, I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody coming on here. Uh, this was a much longer live room than I thought we were going to have, um, and uh, so this was a, this was a fun show. Enjoy the rest of the off season. Obviously, I'll be in Europe here the next um, ten days or so, and then I'm actually going. Um, I think I told everybody I'm going out to Cape Cod to sit down with Judd Brackett for a big feature. Um, this will be a really fun trip to Europe, not only in my own vacation, but I am uh, taking a little detour at the end of the trip and staying two extra days and uh, going uh, to the hometown of a wild player and doing a big story from that. Um, so that'll be coming out in the near future as well. Um, and obviously, uh, even though I might not be writing necessarily from Europe, uh, if there's any big news, we'll have somebody at The Athletic uh, do the stories and I'll be at least helping out from afar and tweeting anything I can and know depending on the time change and all that type of stuff. Um, really appreciate all the support this year. Um, this has been, uh, you know, it was an interesting season with this, with the pandemic and, um, and with as good as the wild were and then the way that they sort of flamed out at the end and obviously very, very disappointing, but thanks for, uh, for joining this live room. Thanks for always listening to straight from the source. Uh, Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown have the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with their guest Aaron Portslime, the beat writer who broke the huge Johnny Goudreau trade uh, with him coming to the Columbus Blue Jackets, an absolute franchise-altering uh, trade, uh, excuse me, not trade, signing uh, from Yarmo Kekalainen. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a buck a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Um, again, uh, we will be, I might be doing a podcast as well from this road trip. I'll definitely be doing one with LaPanta, but when I'm in the hometown of this player, I might be doing a, um, a, um, podcast with him as well. So thanks as always for listening to Straight From The Source and thanks for joining the live room today. Talk to you, everybody.